0: Well we're going to come and we're going to open up God's word shortly and Phil will be coming to continue our series in the book of Proverbs. Um, So if you've got a Bible next to you then do grab it open so maybe it's on your phone you want to head to a Bible app. We're going to be reading Proverbs uh, 24, Proverbs 24 verses 23 to 34. And I'm going to hand over to Andrew and Jenny, who are gonna uh, read um, and then pray for Phil before he comes and speaks to us. Thank you, Andrew and Jenny. Further sayings of the wise. These also are sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the guilty, you are innocent, will be cursed by people and denounced by nations. But it will go well with those who convict the guilty, and rich blessing will come on them. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready, and after that, build your house. Do not testify against your neighbour without cause. Would you use your lips to mislead? Do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Forms had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruin. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hand's to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man.
1: Well, thanks, Andrew and Jenny. Uh, uh, thanks to James. Um, it's been a, a really uh, lovely time of fellowship together. Um, so let's look at if you can, if you've got your Bible in front of you, it's great to, to open it to that passage. We're going to look at it uh, together. And, and the thing to notice is we've been going through the book of Proverbs. And what you get is the early chapters of the the book are are written for a younger man. So you just got to imagine the writer sitting his boy down uh, and teaching him about the way of wisdom. That's why the earlier chapters are are, are, um, um, littered with the phrase, the beginning of wisdom is this. The beginning of wisdom is that. And the flow of the book means that as the book progresses, it's addressing an increasingly responsible reader. So in the passage that we're looking at tonight what uh, the, it comes uh, towards the end of the book so the writer is addressing someone who is older and growing into a position of responsibility someone who's got to make wise decisions about justice and truth and forgiveness and the point that the writer is making is that with responsibility comes the harder decision to listen to God's voice and follow it in a world full of secular pressures and temptations. Because with increasing responsibility comes the increased pressure to keep your head down and just follow the crowd. In effect, the writer of our Proverbs this evening challenges his reader to make the effort to live out God's word, to listen to God's wisdom first and foremost in a tough world where it will be costly to do so, to see God's wisdom as not cheap and disposable and followable only when times are easy, but to see it as God sees it, the most precious thing he's given us. And that's the challenge for us in our world today, to so love and know God's wisdom that we live it out even when it's tough or when the pressure is on us to abandon it. So so looking at the first section of our passage this evening, that's uh, verses 24 to 29. What we see is that justice, truth and honesty are important. And we have to be ready to work hard for them publicly and personally. So our first point, uh, if you're taking notes uh, this evening, is this. Remember what matters to God and make it matter to you. Remember what matters to God. And make it what matters to you. Or, and make it matter to you, sorry. Make it matter to you. So, so look at verse 23 and 24 with me. I'll, I'll just read them quickly. These are also the sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judgment is not good. Whoever says to the guilty, you're innocent, will be cursed by peoples and denounced by nations. So the writer focuses here on the importance of a fair judge. In the times of Solomon, it was expected of rulers that they would be the highest authority in the land and would sometimes personally take part in the dispensing of justice. So if a case was really difficult or really high profile, it would be brought to the king of the land or the ruler um, to judge. But in a culture where family and honor were important as well, actually, it becomes harder to be impartial. There was a cultural expectation to put national or tribal or personal loyalties first and justice second. So the writer says that a ruler's judgments matter and they have a lasting impact, both on immediate society and in history. The nations are going to remember your judgments. And the implication of verse 25 is that it's not just people who care about justice. It also matters to God. Verse 25 reads this, but it will go well with those who convict the guilty and rich blessing. In other words, the implication is from God will come upon them. And then the writer also wants his reader to consider the impact of truth and forgiveness. Let me read verses 26, 28, and 29 to you. 26 says this, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Do not testify against your neighbor without cause. This is verse 28. Would you use your lips to mislead? And then verse 29, do not say, I'll do to them as they've done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Here the writer points out that there's a social impact felt in honesty and forgiveness. The honest person is the person whose opinion matters. Their honesty is precious. There's nothing like having an honest compliment from someone who doesn't give them all the time. There's nothing like the peace that reigns when we know that we're forgiven and when we truly forgive. There's nothing like the security of a neighbor or friend who we can trust because they're not going to misrepresent us in other conversations the massive social impact of of, um, honesty and forgiveness. And the reason we're we're given for being just and truthful and forgiving is not just because they're moral things to do that help us build a fair society. But as verse 25 says, these things matter to God. Blessings go with these things if if we act them out or if we do them rather. They matter to God, and they matter to God because they reflect the heart of God's character. So so Jude, verse 14, tells us that God is ultimately judge of all things, and he judges fairly. John 14, verse 6, says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is who Jesus is. And John 3, 17, tells us that Jesus has come not to condemn the world, but to forgive it, to save it. In other words, God's character is mirrored in justice and truth and forgiveness. And and I love the writer here because he clearly knows his readers and the world his readers live in. He knows that justice and truth and forgiveness are not our natural instinct. He knows that there will also be pressures from our world um, and situations ahead where we will be tempted to keep our heads down and forget about what it took for us to be in a relationship with God and abandon honesty and justice um, and and forgiveness. And that's why he teaches the reader to make the things that matter to God matter to him. He teaches the reader, us, how to embed these characteristics in the heart. And that's what verse 27 is all about. It is seemingly random, isn't it? But let me read it again. Put your your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready after that build your house this is a picture of a landowner who before he makes himself comfortable wisely makes sure that the farm is working properly he's preparing well for life ahead and the relevance is this when you look at the structure of this section from verse 23 to 29 The verses are all about justice and speaking the truth and forgiveness. And so the placing of this verse in the middle of that says the key to making things that matter to God matter to us is good preparation. I'll say that again. The key to making things that matter to God matter to us is good preparation. So just as you don't put up new flood defences when it's flooding, because the floods will just undermine all the work that you've, you've done and be easily broken. And neither do you sow seeds to harvest when it's harvest time because it's too late. In the same way, you don't practice honesty when the pressure to be dishonest is massive. You don't practice being forgiving when you've been massively wronged. The lesson's this. Practice justice and honesty and forgiveness in everyday, small, seemingly insignificant decisions. Make them part of your DNA. And so much part of your DNA that they're second nature. So when the tough situations come, well, actually you find your first instinct is to be honest because you prepared well, your first instinct when wronged is to forgive because you've practiced forgiving your first instinct in a situation of judgment is to be fair that's what the writer is saying it means by put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready and then build your house and you know young people particularly learn these lessons now tell the truth Just tell the truth. I I can see some of us uh, who are are a lot younger uh, around the tables and having dinner. But please listen. Tell the truth to your mum and dad, whatever it takes, and lay that foundation now. Be generous and fair when it comes to sharing things with your, your, your brothers and sisters and forgive forgive, forgive, forgive a thousand times, forgive the brother or sister that wrongs you, and you will build your life on a rock, which is the character of God. That's the first section of this passage. It teaches us to make the things that matter to God matter to us. But the second thing the passage says is remember where neglecting God's wisdom leads. Remember Where neglecting God's wisdom leads. Do you know, in the next section of our passage, we're given a warning. We're actually told about the direction of the person who doesn't take the time to embed what matters to God into their own lives. Look at verse 30 uh, with me, and I'll read to verse 34. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest and poverty will come upon you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. It's, it's another graphic picture, isn't it? The writer imagines walking past the life of the believer who doesn't take God's justice and truth and forgiveness seriously. And what he sees is destruction. What ought to be a fruitful life, like a vineyard full of fruitful vines, is thorny ground. What ought to have been an energetic and purposeful individual is the sluggard who has just wafted into laziness. A graphic, graphic, tragic pictures. And the thing about these images is that they don't spring up overnight. They're both images of a gradual neglect, a gradual creep of thorns and laziness that, 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 that sneak up on the landowner, that sneak up on the sluggard without them being aware of it. Now, it may be that there are times in our Christian lives where this description is like a literal photo of what's been going on. We've begun to show partiality rather than standing for justice. We've wanted popularity or our own way rather than standing for the truth. We've been tempted to lie or just keep silent rather than be honest. They all reflect the fact that we've perhaps become a bit comfortable building our house rather than embedding the truths of God's word in our hearts and lives. And these things like the thorns and nettles and broken stones have begun to wreck the picture of our lives. But you know, rather than being beaten up and despairing of this warning, we need to remember that the heart behind it is always loving, that's what God's word is about. It's always forgiving, that's who God is. And always willing to draw us back to the cross, to the one who loves us and gave his life to save us from our sin. You see, at the cross, Jesus took our sin and suffered for it. He suffered injustice. He was condemned by the lies of those around him. And yet he trusted God's true wisdom and he carried out God's justice. He was punished for our sins so we might be forgiven. At the cross, we see the heart of God's character in all its fullness. We see God's justice. We see God's truth. And most of all, we see God's forgiveness poured out on people who only deserve thorns and stones and nettles. So when we drift from uh, from loving and showing these characteristics in our lives... We need to come back to the cross. We need to look again at what God has done for us and showed us there and trust again in his power to transform our lives so that they reflect him in all the beauty of his justice and truth and forgiveness. So I hope the contrast in our passage is helpful. On the one hand, following God's justice and truth And forgiveness is following in the character of God. And from that flows blessings from God and peace to those around us. And verse 27 says we have to work hard at embedding these things into our hearts because they matter to God and therefore should matter to us. But let's also heed the warning A warning that to neglect what matters to God leads to a slow tragedy. A life devoid of purpose and discipline. A life that increasingly doesn't reflect God's character. And in seeing that warning, perhaps we might be challenged just to sit ourselves down and say, look, Lord God, this is the truth of my life. It doesn't reflect your character. These uh, these things have been creeping in. And I want to confess to God the ways in which that has been happening. And, and that's what repenting is about. It's about talking to God and saying, look, God, this is the, this is the situation. This is how my life is. And yet I, I, I turn away from it. I repent. And in repenting, we begin to put our outdoor work in order. And we begin to build our lives on these great characteristics of our great God. And I hope um, this you see that this um, this the, uh, the, the section of Proverbs comes at the end of a long list of wise sayings and they kind of summarize it up. And the beauty is that within these uh, verses it, it is both a promise And a warning, a promise that we can follow in God's ways because uh, we can follow in God's ways by by staying close to God and a warning of what would happen if we don't. And there is God's grace, isn't it? Uh, God's word calling us to follow Him and showing us the truth about our lives, the truth about the blessings uh, that come to us as we follow His ways, as we seek justice as we love truth, as we forgive, as Christ has forgiven us. I'm going to finish there um, and hand back to James.